Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility presents the Vermont Conversation with David Goodman, exploring ideas with innovators, changemakers, business leaders, politicians, and activists. This special feature from Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility is underwritten in part by the Alchemist Brewery of Waterbury and Stowe, proud B Corp, using the power of business to support a clean environment and economic opportunity for all. Vermont Student Assistance Corporation. VSAC helps students of all ages save, plan, and pay for college and career training with education and career planning services, need-based grants, scholarships, low-cost education loans, and Vermont's official 529 college savings plan. Green Mountain Power, delivering clean, cost-effective, and highly reliable power to customers and offering cutting-edge products and services to reduce costs and carbon. UVM Medical Center, Burlington, Vermont, the heart and science of medicine. Norwich Solar Technologies, providing complete clean energy services to Vermont's schools, towns, nonprofits, and businesses. Concept 2, designers and manufacturers of Concept 2 rowing oars, indoor rower, ski erg, and bike erg, and proud to support nonprofit groups such as the Green Mountain Club. Let's Grow Kids, a statewide campaign about the need for more high-quality, affordable childcare in Vermont to better support our children, families, communities, and economy. And nearly 700 VBSR business members who believe that sustainable business practices value people, planet, and profit. Learn more at www.vbsr.org. Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman, coming to you this week from my home, uh, where in the spirit of keeping everyone healthy, uh, I'm going to be doing this for the foreseeable future. We're going to be spending the hour this week talking about businesses and the coronavirus. How are Vermont businesses coping? What's their advice to others? Throughout the hour, we're going to have a roundtable of business owners share what they're doing. Later in the show, we're going to hear from the owner of Mocha Joe's Coffee Shop and Roastery down in southern Vermont, Vermont Glove, and Twincraft, a soap maker. But joining us in our first half hour, we're joined on the line by John and Jen Kimmick of The Alchemist, Ryan Christensen, who's the president, head distiller, and owner of Caledonia Spirits. Uh, and later in the half hour, I think we're going to be joined by uh, some folks from Silo Distillery as well. So uh, welcome all of you to the Vermont Conversation. John and Jen Kimmick, let's start with uh, you. Can, tell us a little bit about what is happening at The Alchemist as relates to the coronavirus, how that's affected your business. Hi, David. Um, well, geez, that's, a, <laughs> that's quite a conversation for sure. Um, <clears throat> well, our first steps uh, when we recognized the, the uh, level that we were going to have to deal with here was to reduce our production. Um, so one, you know, the the biggest thing for us, being in a business that is in the in the timely production and sale of a of a beer, uh, you know, what we don't want is beer piling up on us. Um, so we are known for getting beer at its absolute best to our customers, and and we don't want to lose that through this crisis. So our first step was to reduce production by 33 percent. Uh, across the board. This necessitated us um, losing retail, uh, that which is, goes into effect tonight. We have laid off several employees. We have set uh, several employees at halftime. 
And basically, we are juggling just like every other business owner right now. We, it's uh, it's this huge unknown, uh, how long it's going to last, uh, how much deeper this goes. You know, nobody really knows. So all we can do is um, sit here endlessly for hour upon hour <laughs> and think about it <clears throat> and dwell on it and plan on it and hope that the plans that we come up with are the best for our business. Um, so far, I think we're we're right on target. You know, things are tight everywhere, but uh, we're managing with the reduction to continue to distribute our beer to get it to our accounts. Um, you know, definitely when the bars and restaurants closed, that was uh, that was the first big gut punch. Um, but thankfully, I think what what we're seeing is people. Um, just changing where they purchase their beer and alcohol. Uh, so now they'll be forced into grocery stores and stuff like that. And, and uh, we're finding our customers are, are very willing to adapt to this new reality, and so we're just trying to find our way through. What do you do? Now, you deal with a perishable commodity, the you know the, the, the hops and the various things that go into the beer. What do you do about that? Um, well, are you speaking raw ingredients or packaged yeah. beer? Raw ingredients. I imagine the beer, you know, refrigerated, uh, I'm just guessing here, but that has a reasonable shelf life. Yep, yep. So our raw ingredients, um, just by the very nature of the way we do business, we would never have a lot on hand. Um, you know, our hops that we have contracted every year are stored with our our hop supplier, um, in a cooler out in the Pacific Northwest. So when we need a pallet of hops, we have a pallet of hops shipped. So, you know, with that said, we had just made our malt orders and our hop orders thinking everything was going to be clicking along just fine. But, you know, that's part of the ad- adaptation of, okay, well, if we aren't brewing these beers, what do we have? What do we have on hand that's already paid for? Because, of course, every business owner right now their biggest crunch that they're facing is a cash flow crunch. You know, so basically if we don't have to buy more raw ingredients, um, we're going to use what we have on hand first. Um, once the beer is processed and packaged, yes, we do um, an exceptional job with our packaging as far as um, ideal conditions for the beer to to sustain itself and to really last beautifully in your fridge. So that's not so much a worry of ours. Um, you know, we have a lot of beers that are meant to be aged. So thankfully, we were in the uh, in that part of our brewing cycle right now where we were in our off-season, which this is for us. Um, we were brewing, uh, you know, some imperial stouts to lay down, some lagers to, to age. So... So thankfully, um, you know, we could thank our, our past selves for thinking ahead. So that has mitigated some of the impact on us. But, uh, of course, we still have uh, we have people working and, and beer being produced and actively um, juggling that entire thing, which is a very complex issue. Um, to our listeners, uh, you're listening to the Vermont Conversation. We're talking about the impact that the coronavirus has had on businesses. If you're a business owner uh, who's been impacted by this, 
we'd love to hear from you. Uh, give us a call at 244-1777. Share your story and maybe get some advice from some of the folks who we have on the line with us in this half hour, John and Jen Kimmick from The Alchemist and Ryan Christensen from Caledonia Spirits. Um, just back to you, John or Jen, what has been the impact on your employees? Have you been able to, you know, uh, take care of any of their, you know, the issues that come up for them, benefits, whatnot? How How is this layoff, uh, you know, how are you doing this? Yeah, it, it's definitely been challenging. You know, when we first started hearing about coronavirus, we started planning for, you know, a potential two- to three-week shutdown, which we could certainly handle. Most businesses could handle that. But the uncertainty is definitely a little scary. I think it's scary for everyone, um, talking about months. So obviously when we stopped pouring samples and our retail sales slowed down um, and all of the restaurants and bars closed down, we um, consolidated our distribution to three days a week um, and just did beer to go. Tonight we're closing our retail altogether. So we have a total of 10 employees who are on temporary unemployment. Um, most of them, some of them are home with kids anyway without child care. Um, we did give them small bonuses and, you know, a promise to give them a rehire bonus when they come back. Um, and we set a rehire date for May 8th. We're optimistic that's when everyone will come back and, you know, our fingers are crossed. Um, but, you know, we're also realistic and we're also planning for the worst. Um, we are continuing our health insurance benefits for our employees who are, who are temporarily laid off, but that's a really big expense for us. Um, so that's a scary thing term as well when we start thinking long term. Um, and, you know, we it, this just brings us back to, you know, what we've been fighting for for so long, Medicare for all. If people had health insurance that wasn't tied to their employment, I think this whole thing would be a lot easier cool, for everyone to navigate. Well, let's uh, let's turn to Ryan Christensen, uh, president of Caledonia Spirits. That's uh, the maker of Bar Hill Gin, for those who are more familiar with it that way. Ryan, welcome to the Vermont Conversation. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me, David. So, um, things uh, you're now in a different line of business of producing different product entirely. Uh, talk about what's happening at Caledonia Spirits in response to the coronavirus. Yeah, this this has undoubtedly been the single greatest challenge that we have ever faced. Um, but you know, we uh, we have since since the beginning, since we really realized we had you know, quite a, a serious business challenge on our hands. Um, and that came a few weeks ago when we closed down our, our retail space. You know, the majority of our business actually um, doesn't happen in, in the, the front of house retail. It, it's it's the, the spirits, the gin and vodka that we're shipping around the country. And we knew that we had to minimize the risk to our production space. And, and that began with closing the front doors. And that was really hard to do. Um, because we had hired so many people last year. We just launched this brand-new distillery. finally had this production space. We had the whole team under one roof, and the team was just really in a good groove, and to close the doors and, and send a group of people home was really hard. Um, so we, as a team, we said, let's see if we can navigate this and find a path um, to keeping this entire team intact. And we had no idea how to do that, um, but we did host a small gathering for our team where we built our own hand sanitizer because hand sanitizer needs high-strength alcohol, and we're pretty good at producing that. 
Um, so we looked at it as a team building opportunity to talk about the dangers of coronavirus and how it's going to impact the business and the community. And uh, it was sort of in that you know, day's event and then just a few phone calls we fielded after that where we said, wow, there's really quite a shortage of hand sanitizer. Um, but it wasn't compliant for us to produce it and sell it, um, you know, outside of the distillery. Um, but suddenly, you know, the FDA got in line with the TTB and the World Health Organization, and, and we saw, you know, these, these agencies that move slower than, than I could ever describe, um, moving at light speed to make it possible for us to make hand sanitizer. We realized that if we can make hand sanitizer, we really have a responsibility to do so. And... Um, but then secondly, you know, we saw this as, you know, is this our path to keeping this team intact? You know, is this our path to uh, keeping our, our business open and our brand alive and, and our, you know, the gin flowing out of our still? So we pivoted pretty quickly. And um, and honestly, I'm glad that we, we, we made the decision to keep the team as a whole. We had a lot of uh, inefficiencies there. Um, for our people at home with not a lot that they can work on. Um, but it was the creativity of the team that allowed us to pivot so quickly. You know, just a lot of the ideas that came up, how we're going to do this, how we're going to package this, how we're going to take it out to market, how we're going to deliver it. All those ideas came from those creative folks who were spending more time with their family, you know, out in the yard, um, you know, maybe hopefully trying to take a deep breath at this moment of, of ridiculous crisis. Um, so anyway, in, 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 and I'm talking about the last seven days here. All of this happened over the last seven days, but, you know, this morning we, we brought a little more clarity uh, to our management team, and um, we're rolling out a plan to produce 20,000 gallons of hand sanitizer in our little distillery, which is um, it's going to make quite an impact. You know, we, we did the math, and that's, that's enough to produce over 10 million hand washings, which um, in a state of 650,000 people, you know, we, as a team, we're sort of saying, hey, we, we might actually be making a difference here. So you've um, completely shut down your you know gin making your distillery and are now 100% hand sanitizer not not completely our our biggest piece of equipment um we call our phyllis um it's a, it's a 500 gallon still with a 40 plate column um, it's an incredibly efficient still to um produce 190 proof alcohol so we've we've assigned phyllis purely for producing hand sanitizer um, but with a small crew there running hand sanitizer, we can also still produce gin. So it works well. We are shifting more and more of our packaging to hand sanitizer and less and less gin. And we may we may have to pull the plug on on gin altogether. Um, but we're we're you know it seems like every you know six to 24 hours there's some sort of you know big change in regards to um, to our plan here. But you know the plan as of today, which will probably change tomorrow, is we are still producing and packaging gin. Um, although we've reduced how much. How much of your uh, staff have you been able to retain and employ in the switch over to hand sanitizer? We are still holding on to 100% of our team with full benefits, um, and and that's that's one that we're really um, we're, we're we're doing our best to fight. Like I said, we needed to find a path, and hand sanitizer may be that path. We. we we have been very uh, communicative with the staff that we don't know how long we can do this, but um, we have this goal to get through this period um, with the whole team intact. And uh, I don't know if it's possible or not. Um, like like Jen mentioned, you know, this is um, if this is weeks, it's 
were no problem. If this is months, it gets a little more challenging. Um, and if this is you know many months, it's it's really hard. Um, but the demand for hand sanitizer right now is like nothing we've ever seen. I mean, we have we have distributors in New York City that are asking for 10,000 cases, and we just can't fill that. You know, we 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 are absolutely aligned to bring hand sanitizer to the state of Vermont first. So our challenges right now aren't so much you know where the hand sanitizer will go outside of just just allocation and choosing you know where it should go and where it can't go because there's not going to be enough of it. Um, but it's finding those raw materials. You know, and we were never, you know, we, we had no idea where to where to search for things like glycerin, you know, and uh, similarly with packaging, you know, we need, you know, 100,000 four-ounce bottles. And, you know, every plastics company around the world is saying, you know, you and everybody are looking for four-ounce bottles right now. So, um, but, you know, that's another example of why we kept the team intact. We've got our, our salespeople. And our bartenders are calling plastics companies. So we're saying instead of calling five companies today, let's call a thousand companies today. And we can actually set these goals um, to to just you know find the packaging. It's got to be out there somewhere. It's, it's in the back of somebody's warehouse, and we're going to get it out of there. Well, I'm imagining the day, Ryan, when a four ounce bottle of Bar Hill hand sanitizer will be selling on eBay for like. $100 because it's a collector's item when your favorite gin made hand sanitizer. So uh, who knows? But let me bring uh, Peter Gilson uh, is the CEO of Silo Distillery down in Windsor, Vermont. Uh, Peter, welcome to the Vermont Conversation. Thanks, David. So I understand Silo is also now in the hand sanitizer business. Tell me what's going on there. Yes. Uh, so over the last probably two to three weeks, um, we've been um, shifting gears from our <clears throat> typical production of uh, products of vodka, gin, uh, et cetera, and um, have been you know through many of the same things that Ryan mentioned on the call. Uh, it's quite a it's quite an undertaking uh, to. Um, you know, make a change like this in terms of sourcing raw materials, the hydrogen peroxide that's used in the formulation, uh, the glycerin. Um, but we're slowly making um, headway on that. We've been inundated with uh, calls uh, both from institutional uh, in inquiries as well as commercial, and we're pr prioritizing uh, as best we can as we're sort of, you know, understanding what it's going to require for us to, to ramp up and uh, meet the demand as, as best we can. What's been your biggest challenge? And in, in, in that I also include, you know, the issues of keeping your staff uh, engaged and busy and employed. Yeah, I would say that that, that, is, that is my number one uh, concern and has been, and we've been – we have a great team. Uh, it's it's not a huge team. It, we probably are um, ten folks when you know we're in full full swing, um, and you know we've we've managed to um, basically it, it's been more um, the the staff who has rolled up their sleeves and uh, really done a miraculous job in terms of you know helping out, being willing to solve problems, putting together you know, spreadsheets so that we can track um, the, the inquiries, sourcing 
uh, again, the raw materials, trying to, to, you know, go as deep and as far as we can to get those. And be very considerate um, towards the um, towards the, the the folks out there that are in desperate need uh, of this product at, at this time. Um, it's been really heartwarming to have um, uh, folks come to the distillery. We a few weeks ago um, we started making available uh, free hand sanitizer, and we still do. Um, to the public. Um, our hours are between 4 and 6 p.m., uh, I think every day this week, but it changes and people can see, you know, what those updated hours are on our website. Um, but I think in terms of, you know, keeping everybody busy and, you know, keeping everybody's spirits up and, you know, making sure that <clears throat> they're all taken care of, I, I spend uh, as much time as I can staying in daily contact with our staff um, making sure that they're okay, and that you know, sort of definition of okay has a, has a number of different meanings. Um, but we're taking this opportunity to um, sort of you know look for creative ways that um, the staff that you know might have been out in the fields selling uh, are now coming into the into the distillery and being trained on uh, production processes, which is you know always a valuable thing. It's good for them to be able to articulate that when, you know, when all of this is sort of behind us, um, and it, it's a tremendous help to us as a company. Where can people find your hand sanitizer if they don't live near your actual uh, facility? Yeah, that's the, currently, that's the only uh, way that they can obtain it. Um, and again, you know, we have very limited hours in, in terms of folks coming to the distillery, um, the lion's share of what we're doing uh, from a production standpoint is uh, keeping up with the demand that um, is really uh, quite quite dramatic. Um, I think on the last couple of days, I've been averaging 15 to 20 calls a day, and, and these folks are, you know, not just in our backyard. They're, you know, distances away, and our first priority, as I mentioned earlier, is you know the institutional folks, and um, so it's it, it's 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 been interesting to say the least. Hmm. Um, Jen Kimmick uh, from uh, the Alchemist, you mentioned uh, you know some of the things going on now dovetail with some of the issues that you have been a big advocate for, whether it's healthcare for all, paid family leave. Do you think there could be any silver lining out of this really rough stretch that we're um, about to navigate? I, you know, I think there's a lot of silver lining. Um, I think this is really going to expose all of the gaps we have in our system from education to housing to health care to just emergency planning for public health crisis like this. Um, you know, I think we're just seeing what we need. And I also think it's going to unite Americans and everyone around the world, which we really need right now as well. Um, you know, for me, it is really challenging navigating the healthcare part of this. Um, that's a huge expense for us. Um, you know, childcare centers, you know, we have, um, we um, pay a portion of childcare for a lot of our employees. Um, these child care centers are struggling so much that they actually want to be paid in full throughout this whole thing, um, to, and you have to do that to 
keep your spot. This is what employees are telling us. And, you know, it's no fault of the child care providers. They're struggling to stay alive. But it's just kind of a it's a domino effect. You know, I think it's really hard when our system, our whole system really depends on commerce to supply benefits to people. It's just it's hard to have a break in commerce. And I think that's why um, our government state and federal have been so slow to put a shelter in place in into effect because everyone's concerned about the money and I think we really just need to focus on the people first. What do you think uh you know with the kind of things that are coming down the pipe we're talking universal basic income paid leave I mean these are you know have been really tough political battles that uh, you've been involved in what do you think might actually last from the kind of you know things that are being put in place now, or what do you hope might last? I really think after this, people are going to demand more. I think people are going to demand health care, and I think their politicians' backs are going to be against the wall. I think at some point there's just going to be a breaking point, and politicians have to start listening to Americans and stop listening to the lobbyists. People are suffering. We need health care. You know, now you hear about the Trump administration, um, you know, bringing the Affordable Care Act back. And here in Vermont, we're opening up Health Connect because people need health care, you know. And so for me, health care would be number one. I, and I think that has we have the strongest chance of seeing real change because of this. Okay, we're going to um, let the three of you go and take a break for the news, and we'll be back with several other guests. But I want to thank John and Jen Kimmick from The Alchemist, Ryan Christensen from Caledonia Spirits, and Peter Gilson from Silo Distillery. Thanks for uh, sharing your insights on the Vermont conversation. Thank you, David. Okay, we're going to take a short break for the news, and we'll be right back. 